This is the Drive-In Podcast, episode 32, take one. Bada bing, bada boom. Welcome to the 32nd episode of the Drive-In Podcast. On today's episode of the Drive-In, we have the Express Checkup with yours truly, Dr. O. We have our review of Netflix's new movie, Bad Trip, from Eric Andre, and our top billing of the best comedic actors of the 21st century. Should be a doozy. So use the bathroom now, grab that popcorn, and enjoy the 32nd episode of the Drive-In Podcast. All right, Ricky Flicks, episode 32, ready to roll. We got Eric Andre. We got like a reality-based comedy sitting in the same vein as Jackass and as Borat. Are we pumped to do this review today? I actually am. I actually am. I didn't have high expectations for this movie, but I was pleasantly, uh, I enjoyed the movie. So I'm excited to review it with you and uh, happy to tell our listeners what we thought about it. Yeah, I'm I'm actually pretty excited for it because like i didn't really hear about it until like friday night and we were looking for what movie to review right before oscar season and we decided to go with eric andre comedy <laughs> naturally you know naturally so, uh, naturally so and we were like another round do we go do we just review we go- parasite and just say screw it and now right. we were just like now nah, we'll go eric andre so before we get going with the express checkup here flex i want to like mention a question that i had from a tweet that i saw earlier today So it's like a question I got deriving from a tweet. So the tweet said, you have to pick one franchise, right? To see for the rest of your life, right? So one franchise will keep releasing movies. You can only watch this franchise. You can't watch the other three. So you have the MCU in their future. You have the DCEU. You have the MonsterVerse, which we just reviewed Godzilla vs. Kong last week. And then lastly, you have the Star Wars universe. So if you had to pick one of those universes to continue watching in the future and you can't watch anything else, which one do you choose? That's a tough one. I think you can automatically eliminate DC because you can't trust them. I I think you just can't trust them, hmm. and the also the monster universe because who knows where they're gonna go. So at the end, there's it's not as exciting as the others. So that just leaves MCU and Star Wars, correct? Am I missing any? No, there's just those four. Yes, you're right. Right. MCU has the track record. It's same with Star Wars, but then again, the new Star Wars, besides the movies, it's good. But I don't want to rely on Mandalorian because that's not true Star Wars, right? So mm-hmm. it's, I think it's obvious. You, even though like I have high hopes for DC, I have high hopes for Star Wars coming up, especially the Acolyte series, which I've talked about when our, in our uh, Disney Investor Day special episode. I'm going to have to sadly pick MCU, even though I'm just not super hyped for it. I'm just hyped for a few of the films, such as Eternals, Blade, and so on. Right. I thought you were actually going to lean towards the way I'm going because I would rather see the DCEU more than any other of those franchises because <laughs> because I would naturally say the MCU because of their accomplishments, but I think they've already hit their pinnacle. I think I agree. The, the DCEU is yet to achieve that, and I can't go the rest of my life not seeing a Batman movie. I, like I can't do that. Like like that that'd be like betraying myself. And like I wouldn't I wouldn't I rather I I like the idea of Marshall Ali playing Blade and all these new MCU characters, but Iron Man and RDJ is gone. 
right? I'm, if I have to choose, like, for the future, who do I want to see? Like, DCEU still has these juicy characters to be explored, and I can't wait for that to happen. So, and, like, I don't trust Star Wars with Disney. Like, that hands are – talk about unreliable. Like, very much unreliable in terms of, like, relating to the fan base. And mm-hmm. then MonsterVerse, Godzilla vs. Kong was decent. But, like, come on. That's the pinnacle. They don't, even, they don't even belong, yeah, in that conversation. In my I think I think the biggest thing that persuaded me to kind of lean towards your way, but I'm still not going to jump on board, is Batman, Robert Pattinson. I didn't even think of Robert Pattinson because I think of that Earth 2, not even part of the DCEU. Even though oh, it's not is. technically is, but he's a part of DC. And the question was DC. So ooh, if you're included in that, then I, I think that's, I have to see that. That's the I most anticipated superhero film since the Joker Dark Knight, I think. Besides favorite, uh, and end game Infinity War. It's my favorite Second, movie, but, like superhero of all time. Like it's right. just my favorite to be explored. And uh, this seems like it's going to be returning to like those, the detective noir roots, the like, comic the books and everything. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be cool. Back to the comics, right? Because you saw Nolan kind of just put his own touch on it. Even Snyder put his own touch on it a little bit with Batfleck, right? But this just looks like long Halloween vibes all over it. Like just pure, yeah. one of the best comics of all it's gonna time. Cool. It's going to be awesome to see. Great question to start this pod. I'm excited to get to the rest of it here. I'm vengeance. Moving on. Let's go to the Express checkup. Let's get her done. What do you say, Ricky Flex? Bringing you the latest news in the movie industry. This is the checkup with Dr. O. Dr. O, check us out. In a shocking revelation, Sylvester Stallone will not be returning as Rocky in Creed 3. Stallone confirmed with a response on Instagram, and then Michael B. Jordan reaffirmed with a quote to IGN in an interview. Moving along with the checkup, we have a new Star Trek movie in the works coming from Paramount in 2023. It's been about five years since Star Trek Beyond hit theaters, Third entry the J.J. Abrams produced franchise, and it's unclear if this will be a fourth entry in the series or something entirely different. Paramount is set June 9th, 2023, as a release date for this untitled project. Moving along, we had a lot, a, a lot of different delays uh, for Paramount movies from this past week. Top Gun 2, Mission Impossible 7, Jackass, and more get these new release dates. So uh, we have Snake Eyes from G.I. Joe. That's now coming July 23rd, 2021, starring Henry Golding. We have Jackass 4 with Johnny Knoxville, October 22nd, 2021. We have Top Gun Maverick with our boy Tom Cruise, November 19th, 2021. We have Mission Impossible 7, also Tom Cruise, our boy, May 27th, 2022. We have Dungeons and Dragons coming March 3rd, 2023. And then we have Mission Impossible 8, July 7th, 2023. Moving along with the checkup. We have some DCEU news. The Black Adam has begun filming with The Rock. The Rock shared a set photo of a clapboard from the set on the first day of filming the other day. And now we have two confirmed, uh, two newly confirmed cast members, with one being Legend of Tomorrow star Cody Sambalgui and Tony Award nominee James Kazadi Moyer joining the film's cast in unknown but quote-unquote key roles. Moving along. Phoebe Waller-Bridge will be the female lead in Indiana Jones 5. Waller-Bridge is best known for her role in BBC's comedy drama series Fleabag. Heard it's a banger. John Williams is set to return to score the fifth film in the franchise. And lastly, last bit of casting news, last bit of peace on the Express checkup. Salma Hayek joins the cast of House of Gucci with Adam Driver and Lady Gaga. The film cast is already loaded with big names, including Driver and Gaga, along with Al Pacino, Jared Leto, Jeremy Irons, Jack Houston. How are you? The film is currently shooting in Milwaukee. You've just been checked up by Dr. O. 
Ricky Flex, that does it for this week's checkup. Express style. What seems to be uh, the headlines that catch your attention this week? This week's checkup is a lot of big news, but smaller news, if that makes sense. Like it's like popping news, but not necessarily the biggest news, like a, a brand new movie coming that has like huge changing effects. Like you just have like this Sly Stallone in the Rocky movie to me is the biggest news. Like imagine a Rocky movie without Rocky in it. Like that's crazy to me, but obviously it's not his, it's not the main character here, but remember in Creed, he was the only not Oscar nom from Creed as the supporting actor. So I think this is huge news uh, regarding that, but the rest kind of like delays something we've always seen before and trying to get more box office numbers and money. Black Adam, about dang time, start production. Gucci. About damn time, LeBron. Right. Gucci, we already knew there was a load cast. That's just adding to that hype around that movie with the set photos being released. Can't wait to see that. Hopefully later this year, it's right now, supposed to be later this year in November. Hopefully it doesn't get pushed back. But the one that pops out to me, Dr. O, is Star Trek. Because you know I'm a big advocate of this trilogy from J.J. Abrams. This isn't confirmed to be a part of that, which is why I'm excited for it. Because Tarantino has expressed interest in directing a Star Trek movie. Could this be his final film? We don't know, but I hope it is. Because imagine seeing a Tarantino space movie. I can't, but I would love to see it. So this is fascinating because the Tarantino written Star Trek project has been something in the works for a long, long time. I believe it's already been written and it's been presented by Tarantino. It's, there's always been the idea of will Tarantino actually direct it. We know Tarantino says he's going to stop after directing 10 films. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is, was officially his ninth film. So I think this would kind of be perfect for Tarantino. I, like, I, I doubt he would want to continue like doing a franchise. Maybe it was a one-off Star Trek movie. It could be exactly what Paramount's kind of looking for too, just because they're trying to build up their um, streaming service with Paramount+. Plus. But Tarantino, he attacks so many different genres. He's never done like a science fiction film, you know? Right. And, then, and, he's already, and he's expressed Star Trek as his passion. He would always do Star Trek over Star Wars. So I'd be fascinated to see that. Um, it's been a long time. It's been five years, but it feels so much longer since Star Trek Beyond. I really do like Chris Pine as Captain Kirk, Zachary Quinto as Spock. And I was really entertaining the I was really entertained by the idea of having Chris Hemsworth come back right into that franchise mm-hmm. playing uh, uh, Captain Kirk's dad. All right. So that that really caught my eye. I can't wait to hear more information about this, but I think it's a great idea in terms of building the universe. I think the big story here to like accompany that has got to be the Sly Stallone news because this is his baby, his franchise, him not returning in Creed 3. As you said, he he was nominated for an Academy Award from the first Creed. I understand why he's not going to be in this next one. They got to make the Creed franchise more about actually Creed and not just truly about Rocky. Right. But at the same time like I mean that's the draw, right? Like his connection to Rocky. They're a Sly dynamic Stallone. duo. Right. And then like I wonder how they're going to explain his like uh, absence in the next film. I hope they just don't say he died, you know? Cuz like that's what we did with um that's what we had with Rocky Balboa, the sixth entry in the franchise mm-hmm. with um Adrian. Right. Uh, she died in the middle of the two movies and they just didn't explain her death. So there's a chance like Rocky actually like falter with his bout with cancer right. and then is not in the in Creed 3. But I think Sylvester Stallone has also expressed interest in expanding this universe like even more. He's even talked about writing he already wrote a uh, an outline 
for a prequel series on Rocky. So I, even though he's not in this movie, like he's still going to be very much involved with in terms of producing, I assume. And then in terms of growing this universe even more. Yeah. Like he's going to, I can't imagine Sly Sloan allowing himself not to be deeply involved with this, especially with Michael B. Jordan's first, because he's taken the helm of this project. Like this is going to be his first ever, like at the helm project for himself. So he's going to need all the help he can get. And oh, yeah. with a Rocky franchise, having Sly Sloan next to you, like that's, I think it's a must. So mm-hmm. I fully expect him to be a producer at the minimum, maybe even a co-write, co-write this, a co-write the script for this. I can't wait to see what how they explain it, like you said. So I think besides the Star Trek news, that's like the big sexy like topic here in this checkup. Yeah, agreed. And then I just want to bring up quickly Phoebe Waller-Bridge. I've heard rave reviews about her show, her BBC. She's a British actress um, with Fleabag. And I'm excited like because she's not really big into the action genre. She did play uh, L337 in Solo which is kind of interesting where like mm-hmm. Calrissian was trying to make love to a robot. Very, <laughs> very weird. But uh, she was the voice and that's like her only experience in the action genre, but she's like kind of a, she's a up and comer right now. She's like a, she's, she's like a she's an absolute missile to the moon right now. So Phoebe Waller bridge in this fifth installment, where that's going to feature an 80 year, 80 years old Indiana Jones with uh, Harrison Ford. So that'll be fascinating. Right. And she's, she, she did win a golden globe for a uh, flea bag. So like yeah. she, and like, I know golden globes kind of a joke, but for TV series, that's their Oscars. That's their pinnacle uh, for awards kind of. So that's actually a big deal. Um, at least to me, I think. And also she's going to be in uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith uh, TV series that was announced. Uh, I don't know if we talked about that actually in previous episodes, but that was announced. So it's going to be interesting to see that she's kind of a rising star and this could take her to the, a whole nother level of stardom from Fleabag, that announcement, and now Indiana Jones. Like, I can't wait to see how her career progresses after this. Same here, man. Uh, all right. That does it for the checkup this week. Now we will be moving on to our review of Eric Andre's Bad Trip. All right, Ricky Flux. Here's the synopsis. Hidden cameras capture two best friends pulling hilarious and inventive pranks on an unsuspecting public. Very vague, leaves it wide open, just the way we like it. So, Ricky Flicks, we have Eric Andre here, right, with a Netflix film that currently sits at 75% of Rotten Tomatoes and a 6.6 out of 10 on IMDb. Pretty good for Rotten Tomatoes, so-so for IMDb. So, Ricky Flicks, let's go with our instant reaction upon viewing the film. What were your what was your knee-jerk reaction? It was funny. It was funny. I There were plenty of laugh-out-loud moments in this. Mm-hmm. And there are also plenty of what the heck is going on moments in this just ultimate awkward moments and uncomfortable to the max. But I think this was like an excellent, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just like what the Eric Andre show is. This is like that to the max as in this is showcased on a wider platform, like on Netflix, like Eric Andre show. Not everyone. I'm not necessarily I haven't seen every episode of it, but I know how funny it is just from watching it on YouTube, just like uh, just looking it up on YouTube as YouTube clips. This just seems like, all right, this is just it for the mass audience. And I thought it was that to a T. And I thought everybody in this, like all the main characters, Eric Andre, um, uh, Rel Howery and Tiffany Haddish were just really funny in this. So mm-hmm. I guess that's what I would go with at the start. How about you, Dr. O? 
So I'm not an Eric Andre guy. I don't think he's very funny. I don't like his stand-up comedy. Uh, I think this type of comedy is very obsolete in terms of this is what this is basically what YouTube is now. YouTube does so much of this stuff. But I was impressed because I did like I was knee slapping throughout a few of these scenes. They were unbelievably funny. But also it falls in the same vein as like a Borat and a bad grandpa that they were actually able to craft a story along with these hijinks. Yes, it was slapstick. Yes, it was silly. But I thought it was kind of ingenious the way they kind of planned all of this out to eventually craft a story. Um, so in, in, that, in that aspect, I was a fan of it. Uh, I think some of the jokes were hit or miss. There were some parts I was dying, obviously, like I just said. But there's other parts where I'm cringing and I don't even want to look at the screen. And I think that just comes with Eric Andre. And I think that's who he is. And especially that type of comedy. Same vein as Jackass. Like, very much the same. Um, yeah, so I, I, knee-jerk reaction. I, give, I think we agree. It's, it's hilarious, right? Very much so. So, continuing on, what do you think about... Eric Andre himself in this film. Do you think that this will catapult him potentially in his career? Do you think this is like a culmination of his career? And what do you think of his performance in the film? No, I think this was actually a very clever attempt to do. Like I just mentioned in my knee-jerk reaction, this is his show on a bigger platform. I think he was in The Lion King with Seth Rogen as Pumbaa, or um, sorry, not Pumbaa, but uh, Pumbaa's sidekick. Right? Yeah, or the hyenas. Sorry, geez, I can't think right now. But um like that, it was just a voice, right? This is just him on the screen, like himself on the screen. I think this is big for him. He signed that Netflix deal. I don't know how many more movies he has left with Netflix, but I think this is going to uh, catapult him into bigger roles going forward, not just a voice voice role, not just uh, just like him being known as a comedy guy that could play a comedic animated figure. He could be a comedic force coming onto, this, uh, onto the, the, our main screen. Yeah, and he's there's, he seems to be generating a lot of buzz from this film. I know Seth Rogen is a popular tweet going around that he's basically hailing this as a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. I think he's speaking very much in hyperbole, and I think that like Seth Rogen probably was using a, bit, a couple of the pieces that he advertises in terms of marijuana on his social media on a regular basis. I, I think he was pretty, probably very high when he saw this. And I think it does appeal to that fan base as well, but um, – I think I think he's got a future, although it does feel like the pinnacle of his career because this is the type of comedy he is known for, and then him crafting a story out of it, very clever. Um, but I don't I don't want to give the story too much credit because in terms of like if you're assessing this like as a regular movie, super formulaic story. People are just trying to tell me it's a unique story, and then like yes, it was well done in terms of the execution of it, but in terms of just looking at the story, this is the same thing as Dumb and Dumber. It's the same exact movie where yeah. you got two best friends, okay, going to see a girl and they're getting chased by somebody. Even dumber. They, st- they stole something from them and they're even dumber. Yeah. Yes. This is dumber, er, 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 you know? So I, I, I don't want to give this movie too much credit because it seems like I think we're, we might be just, um, we've been subjected to, like, first of all, fewer movies every year. Like mm-hmm. from the past year, I should say, and uh, maybe not the most high quality of movies as a result too, especially with all these delays. So then, when we get do get something that makes us crack up in the way that this movie does, we seem to be hailing it. I think a little too early, but um, I also want to talk about the supporting cast here, and you brought them up briefly. We had Tiffany Haddish and Little Ray Howery. So Tiffany Haddish is a premier actress, right? Comedic actress that could even make an appearance on our top billing this week in. Uh, for the most, uh, for the best comedic 
actors slash actresses of the 21st century. Mm-hmm. And little Ray Howery is becoming a premier supporting character, almost like a Danny McBride of of like African of like of like black comedic movies, right? Mm-hmm. I, like I feel like that's a good comparison for him. Um, so. I, what do you think about Haddish? We'll start with her first. What do you think about her, first of all, appearing in this movie and then overall her ability to kind of like improvise and uh, interact with the public? That's very unsuspecting. Well, I'll give you this. If since you related to our draft, I will not draft her because I'm not a fan of her. Okay. <laughs> so if you want her, you could save her for the fifth round for yourself. Um, but I thought she was awesome in this. I thought she was hilarious in every scene she was in. I mm-hmm. thought she was the... Like a typical, like you said, this was very formulaic. She was a very formulaic villain uh, for a movie like this, a comedy like this. But she didn't miss a beat at all. She really just hit every single note when she's connect when she's talking to these strangers, uh, such as when she's breaking out of jail, when she's talking to that stranger, leaves Blair that stranger, team. and then comes back to that stranger. And that stranger's a normal person trying to help her out, escape prison. And she goes back to him, even though she should be running away. The stranger doesn't know she's tip- she's Tiffany Addish. So I think that she like played that Eric Andre show type role to a T. Uh, I said that twice now. I'm going to hit myself over the head for that. But I thought she was great. What do you Bonk. think? I thought she was awesome. I, I, I think she is someone I was like skeptical of. I found very annoying. But it tells you how good of a comedic actor you are is like how well you can improvise. And right. the, the thing with this movie and Eric Andre's form of comedy, you don't know how the public's going to interact with what you do. So you got to be very quick on your feet. And Tiffany Haddish was very good in that regard. And this is like in, like in my eyes, this is above like what she is – able to do i don't know if she has a working relationship with eric andre um and maybe they just are they wanted to do a movie together because this seems like something that's like not apparent for major hollywood names like tiffany haddish so i was actually like happy that she took this on because she's like this is going to show how funny i am and it really did pay off little ray howard i thought was great he had great chemistry with eric andre they played off well uh, off each other very well um i didn't see all of uncle drew and i don't know how much of that yeah. is like kind of like the same type of comedy where it's like unsuspecting i know that's like uncle drew uh, I, in the Pepsi commercials, it's like people didn't know what was going on. Old man, but they kind of suspected it was Kyrie Irving at the same time. But uh, so he, this is like a second foray for him into this film. But he he was laugh out loud hilarious too. So mm-hmm. talking about how funny this is, we're gonna do a little spoilers here, right? A little heads up for the listeners. What scenes stuck out to you and are ones that you will be sitting around drinking beers with your friends, reminiscing about on your uh, favorite aspects of the movie? Well. I know your favorite scene in this movie. It's also mine, but I'll leave it for you to tell the audience. So I'm going to go with my second favorite scene. And it's down the road when Tiffany Haddish finds out where these guys are. And it's at this restaurant, this diner. Tiffany Haddish goes in, is questioning everybody with these posters, with this stapler gun. Part was and, so good. And stapling it on the tables, like on the counter of the diner, on the walls, and questioning everybody. And Remember, these aren't actors around them. This is these are real people, and everyone's like, oh, "We don't know who they are." She leaves. Then Andre, uh, Eric Andre, and uh, Lil Ray Howard, uh, Howry come in, and they go in 
And everyone's like, oh, my God, those are those guys that stole that girl's car. That was just in here. And they're all telling her. And the good, that, that, that woman is like, I knew it. I, I knew, knew it. it. Right. I knew it. But the, pa- the part that made it so Eric Andre show-esque is that they leave. But then Tiffany Haddish comes back in the diner. It makes, right the, audi- it makes the it makes the audience go like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. It's like it's, it's like, like it's it's the uh, irony of it, you know. It's, it's like the, what's uh, gonna happen? And then there's mm-hmm. that one woman in it that's going nuts. That's so outlandish. That's so on Tiffany Haddish's side, even though she's the villain. She's and the she's factor. they literally said multiple times that she broke out of prison, right? But <laughs> like she's it. still on her side, and everyone's telling this woman to shut up and like stop being so crazy. But mm-hmm. this lady's just on Tiffany Hatch's side, and she's the unspoken star. Like, if you had to pick the best performance, non actor wise or like true actor, actress wise, it's that woman. So that's like my second favorite scene. I'm gonna give it back to you to say, I think, what we share is the, our favorite scene. So this movie started off hot. Right. So it like not 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 like in a sexual way. So we're, we're talking about like him getting his like his uh, clothes shop backed <laughs> the, and then he's like completely butt ass naked uh, in front of his like crush. But I think the funniest scene is when he sees his crush and he's working at the smoothie um, sto- uh, shop or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's serving all these people. And then the, this crush comes in. He says like for the, uh, her to cut the line. He's talking to her. And eventually as like the end of the conversation, like everyone's so mad at Eric Andre for like how he's treated everyone, such bad customer service. And then like, right when you think like, Oh, this, this ended up great. Like he, he, me, uh, he can finally connect with his, his uh, childhood crush. He like sticks his hand in the blender and then he just starts going nuts and screaming at the top of his lungs. And, Everyone in the smoothie parlor are just freaking out, freaking out. And I remember I was sitting next to you while we were watching this and I like couldn't breathe. I was laughing so hard. It was like, the, the I would say it's the hardest I've laughed in a movie. I don't even know since when I would say years. That's how funny mm-hmm. it was, but uh, that was great. And I loved like the best part about this movie is just seeing the reactions from the people and that's why it's such a unique brand of comedy my opinion it's hit or miss in terms of like the egregiousness of Mm. what they're doing and it just turns me off like for example we're talking spoilers now the gorilla scene where the gorilla is mounting him and twice twice and people are still not buying it i'm just not it's so obvious it wasn't a real gorilla i know the face is a total mask like how it wasn't big enough it was how are these like, it's the same height as Eric Andre. Like, how are these people so gullible? I know they're trying to hide the face, but at the same time, how are these people just like so like just falling for all these like hijinks? Some of them were like actually believable. And like mm-hmm. I just think the ape one was over the line. I hate anything with like puke or poop. So him like puking like literally nonstop. Mm-hmm. that was too much as well I, I didn't find that very funny i know other people like that stuff i know it falls in the same vein as jackass and everything and with johnny knoxville but that's just never been my cup of tea so i had to knock it a few points just because that's not entertaining to me yeah I, for me it's more than a few for a movie that's slapstick like this outlandishly like crazy awkward moments like that things that 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 are those misses that you said that hit and miss that hit and miss in uh movies this is definitely one of those those misses those will take down points for me by a large amount. Mm-hmm. All right, Ricky Flex. So I think that's really what we've gone through. It's like a, it's like almost like a, a mix of like a reality comedy, reality based comedy, along with like sketches, because like everything is so planned out in right. uh, in such a manner that like they had. I, I don't even know how they did this because like Eric Andre must have said we're going to shoot here, 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 
and then it's going to eventually we're going to end up in New York and we're just going to like a lot of these parts of the story were not relevant to the actual endpoint, but they did connect enough where you're like, okay, it actually makes a coherent story that makes it into a storyline, you know? So, um, what do you, what, so let's go to the scores. Let's go to the scores for this film. What did you give bad trip from Eric Andre? Mm. Well, I think just going off of that before leading into my score is that I think the post credit scenes actually helped this movie. Because throughout the movie, you're thinking, oh, like, what's real and what's not? And it kept in the post-credit scenes, it shows, like, everyone's reactions when they're, like, cut. And it shows the hidden cameras. And everyone's like, what? Like, this is a movie? And, like, the Gorilla one was one of them. I still don't believe it to this day. I'll never believe it. I don't care what Eric Andre, if we ever interview him or anybody else part of this movie, say. I will never believe it. Very funny when he walked back in. (laughs) That was very funny. (laughs) Um. But leading into my score, I think that helped it. But then again, those misses for me were huge. Um, I think uh, Lil and also Lil Ray Howery, I thought he was good, but I kept thinking in the back of my mind, Hannibal Burris would have been better. <laughs> like, He's Han- like, want to be Hannibal Burris. Right. Like the entire time, like, it's just like Hannibal Burris is like <laughs> the perfect partner for Eric Andre. I know he left the show. Uh, but I'm thinking like, oh God, he would be so good right here. Like, <laughs> like in the drug scene, I'm like, it would be so much better. They're like a poor man's Key and Peele. Like the drug scene, exactly. That dr- the drug scene was just like, it felt like the Eric Andre show to the max out of everything in this. And it wasn't Harry Mirrors. And I was just like, what? Like, that's just weird. But, uh, <laughs> but I thought like, this was like the replacement to have. Tiffany Haddish was good. Eric Andre, like I said, this is, I think this is good for him. But then again, this is just a stupid comedy slapstick. This might seem harsh, but again, like I'm giving it a 57 out of a hundred. Okay. Yeah. So I, we actually, we have similar thinking here. Uh, I gave it a 63. I gave it a 63 just because, and that's like me, like going easy on the film, in my opinion. I really? Think yeah. Cause I think it, I, I'm accepting it for what it was. It's entertainment. It's reality based comedy. It was laugh out loud in a lot of spots. But I am marking it down because a lot of the jokes did not hit. And I'm just not a fan of Eric Andre's comedy for, in general. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's what the whole movie is. So it's like it's either you like it or you don't. And then I, I found some parts enjoyable. Therefore, my, my 63. Uh, Tiffany Hanish, awesome. Little Ray, decent. Uh, yeah, but I agree with your sentiments. I think the end credit scenes did help out the movie. It, 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 like, that was good because you, it, it sells the point that these people did not know what was going on. They did not know, no matter what you think, we have footage of people actually reacting and finding out that this is a part of a movie. And once they do that, it makes everything else more believable, right? Where it makes you think like, okay, now you realize the genius of what they were doing. Right. Um, and the, the story wasn't too special, even though they, like, I love the way that they approached it, how they put it together. But when we just boil it down to any other movie, the story's not good. <laughs> it's just right. Not good. It's just not. It's just not. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not, I don't want to say it's like this groundbreaking piece of film when it's not, you know? Yeah. But there definitely were those scenes for like, I think the, like you said, I think in the beginning, the first 30 minutes of this film were so funny. Yes. Like a part of that smoothie, like the, the introduction of Tiffany Haddish's character, the singing, the musical the part, singing, the musical, uh, just so many things that it was just a, a, a knockoff on purpose of like these romantic comedies or these action movies. Like it was just like a knockoff of those on purpose I thought it just hit those spot on. It was like those awkward scenes that you expect out of like, like in the office, those awkward scenes of Michael Scott, like those work for that type of show for this. It was just like unappealing. It was just unappealing. You didn't want to watch it and it didn't help mm-hmm. it at all. 
at least for I, me and it sounds like for you it seems weird when you also see those scenes where it's like they're trying to pull off a heartwarming moment in a movie but it's also with a public that's very unaware it's like you have like a moment where he's trying to reconcile with his best friend right andre uh, andre is trying to uh, Eric Andre is, start, is trying to reconcile with little Ray on the bus and these people have no idea what's going on and just so awkward and it just makes me think like a moment like an Adam Sandler and wedding singer on the plane everyone's like oh my gosh so romantic mm-hmm. in real life everyone's just like what the hell is happening right now <laughs> where are these two guys so weird. there was one person that said like oh that's so nice but everybody else is just like get off the bus like, <laughs> we're trying most, to get to Florida here was, on the from New York this was an opportunity where you like saw like what if th- that Hollywood moment actually happened? Right, like, that's what like romantic people try and do, and it just doesn't work. And <laughs> you see it in this movie, right? And the but, car uh, scene is a great example of that as well. Right before that, <laughs> the car crash, that was another great example uh-huh. of that Hollywood moment. Great point, and it just makes it awkward. And like sometimes they don't interact. The way a good awkward though, like, yeah, this type of movie. Yes, it nails it for this one because it's just make because. It's like that secret you have between the audience and obviously the main characters, you know, mm-hmm. so I a hundred percent agree. So uh, it's a 57 from Ricky flex. That's a 63 from Dr. Rowe. That does it for our review of bad trip next week. We will be going into another realm here with another <laughs> round, right? The uh, uh, Academy award nominated film that is on Hulu. So make sure you give that a watch before we review next week. I'm now going to flip it over to Ricky Flicks for our top billing of the best comedic actors of the 21st century. Thank you, Dr. O. All right. Today's top billing is inspired by our review of Bad Trip starring the hilarious Eric Andre. We have the top billing of the best comedic actors of the 21st century. This will be a snake draft style with five picks each. Once an actor is off the board, uh, once an actor is picked, my mistake, it is he or she will be off the board. But before we get going, Dr. Rowe, what are your thoughts? Any questions that you have might have heading into this draft? Yeah, I actually do have a question. So is this going to be, it's just, we know it's just a body of work from the 21st century. 2000 to present. Okay. What if they were in television? Has to be in a movie. Oh my gosh, really? This is a movie podcast. We talk briefly about movies that connect. Oh, and like we might talk, I don't know, we haven't talked about yet about television series that don't connect to this, a cinematic universe. I'm talking mainly about Star Wars and Marvel here and also DC coming up, but. I wasn't thinking TV. That's just puts. Well, no, no. So it's like, I'm talking about like actors that go into both. Like, like just on a comedic aspect for both. I was not not thinking TV. I was not thinking TV at all. Because if we do TV, I think there will be way too many. That could separate a couple of draft picks. And I'm also thinking about, am I looking at their body of work? Am I looking at just the 2010s or 2010 to 2020 am I looking at the full body work or am I just saying that person was hilarious in like two or three films and they stick out that much so it's going to be like a fine line to choose from especially and you're also trying to differentiate those 90s actors that did so well and like them forming into the 21st century and see if that, that kind of turns over right I think that's going to be the big factor here is that 90s like the 90s I think if you put like the best comedies ever uh, in movies, obviously, not television shows, in, in actual movies. I think the 90s might be the best decade of comedies. I, I would have to take a deeper dive to su- uh, support that hypothesis, but 
wow, like the nineties were something. So it's that, it's like what you said, that little layover or that turnaround from 99 to 2000 and those early 2000s to see how you're going to differentiate yourselves with those actors that kind of died off after like 2005 and on. So this is going to be interesting. I think this is the hardest draft that, that uh, the drive-in podcast has ever done. At least for me, this was the hardest uh, big board to fill out and rankings wise. I don't know about you. This is yeah. It was tough in terms. Like I have like about like fifteen to twenty names here. I would say I think I have like sixteen. Um, I I am a little nervous because that's why I kind of deferred for the second pick because I have like a top three I want. I might as well get like two out of the three since I won the speed the won the spin. Oh, okay. So that's how you. That's why you picked the second pick. You want two of those three, not necessarily. You don't have one that's above the rest. Yeah, exactly. I don't think there's a clear cut number one. It's it's hard to make a clear cut number one because you, as you said, mm. we have the '90s carrying over to the 2000s, like those those whoever those legends, and then you also have like that stand up aspect that we're not really including here. It's more of just um, those actors that were funny in movies, like like because that's not really yeah. popular. I mean, at least it wasn't. I would guess like. I don't want to give away any names, but like late two yeah, thousands yeah. on. So it's like, it's, it's more of just like they're funny in movies and that's pretty much it. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. rare to find that stand up comedian that hits. Well, I'll get things going with the top billing of best comedic actors of the 21st century. I have the first pick. Dr. O is the second. And like I said before, it's a snake draft style. So once I go, Dr. O will have two and then I will have two and so on. But with the first pick, the way I'm approaching this draft is kind of in three categories, just, one, you're, you are naturally funny. You are like funniest of the funny, right? Two, you have iconic characters. And three, your body of work. And I think there is a clear cut number one. I'm glad Dr. O deferred. I'm picking Will Ferrell. Okay. I'm picking Will Ferrell. If I know his best body of work is in the early 2000s with Elf in old school in 2003, Anchorman in 04, Ricky Bobby 06. If you want to throw Stranger Than Fiction in 06, you can, but I don't consider that really a true blood comedy, even though I think it would be genre-wise, but I don't consider that as a comedy really. But I think the way that differentiates him compared to others is that no matter what comedy he's in, he is the best character in that comedy. It doesn't matter if he's the star as Ron Burgundy in Anchorman or he is in Starsky and Hutch uh, in 04 as the wedding crashers or wedding crashers as jazz like he is always like when you leave the movie theater or you watch the movie the first time what do you think of first <laughs> you think of Chaz, uh mom the meatloaf or you're thinking starsky and hutch as like him like as the dragon wanting uh starsky and hutch to hump each other <laughs> in front of him on camera uh-huh. in, in the prison so will ferrell i think is the for me the clear-cut number one and that's what I'm going to go with. So that's, he was in my top three, uh, but at the same time, his body of work, 2010s and on, it's, it's sketchy. It's sketchy to say the least, but you're right. He does have those recognizable characters from a whole decade, right? 2022, 2010. And he's got some of the most unforgettable cameos in the greatest comedies of the 2000s. And he was that guy, that dude, the guy who dominated Right, the box office from a comedic standpoint, even before like uh, the all these major superhero movies were kind of taking over, before Iron Man, even during Iron Man, when he was like kind of like hitting the end of his run there, and like the, his type of comedy almost doesn't exist as much anymore. You don't you don't really Badly. see any of that. So 
in like his frat pack style comedy. So good pick. I'm not going to judge it. I think, I think, it's, I think it's good. Like, I, I think it was through, I, if I had number one, I probably would have taken it too. I think before we move on here, I think it's, I think your thoughts are good just before. I don't want to seem like we're changing subjects real quick, but before you pick for the graphic, would you rather have a picture of the actor like at an award ceremony or of the role that you choose for the role them? that we choose? Like, that's okay. what they're known so for. it's like not about right. them being the best actor. It's about them being the best comedic actor. So you would pick the, what you think. So like, if it's your pick, so like Will Ferrell, I think of his iconic role, Ron Burgundy. So like, I would put Ron Burgundy on the graphic. Yeah. All right. Yes. So then if you pick Will Ferrell, like as an example, if I didn't and you did, you would pick Ron Burgundy. That would be, okay. All right. So I'm, I just want to clear that up. All right. Dr. O, your first pick. So I'm going back to back here. I'm going to pick two people from two different generations. First pick, I'm going with Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill from 2000 to 2020. This oh, 2021, excuse me, this 21st century. So this might be a controversial pick just because of his recent success where he's not as much in and involved with comedies. He's directing with mid-90s. He's obviously with Moneyball. And then his critical acclaim is obviously actually with a pretty a comedic role too with uh, The Wolf of Wall Street. That's actually the probably the funniest part of the movie. But where his comed- his acting roots go all the way back to Accepted back in 06. Ask me about my wiener. But it also goes to Superbad when he plays Seth, one of the most iconic, like comedic like characters, I would say, in the history of cinema. One of the best, if not the best, uh comedy from the past 21 years. Uh I mean, I was run through him. I already mentioned the Wolf of Wall Street. This is the end where he's playing himself. And then he's also in maybe like the most recognizable comedy franchise in quite some time to 21 and 22 Jump Street. Everyone th- forgets about Get Him to the Greek is a cameo that was kind of Will Ferrell level in uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, him and 40 year old virgin. Like he's appearing in all these bangers from the late 2000s on. I, I think Jonah Hill, I'm going to have to balance it out with an older guy, just like you did with Will Ferrell. I think Jonah Hill does belong in a top two rounds for this draft. I agree with the top two rounds. I definitely think that for a 21st century, two decades, he is probably the one or one to three people on this, on probably your big board and mine that actually fulfill the two decades very well mm-hmm. as in movies. And also he's one of the few that are not just great in their own films, in their own comedy movies, but also they are great as cameo people, right? Mm-hmm. Think of even Django. <laughs> like, Oh, yes. Like, think of that. Like, even I'm, just, think of that. Good, good I'm just trying to say, like, if you're going to be one of the best comedic actors in any generation, it's not just about your roles that you get. You're a part of that star-studded cast that is in the trailer or they just know you're in the movie. So it's those cameos that are just surprised that you absolutely nail. Like I mentioned with Will Ferrell and Starsky and Hutch and um, Wedding Crashers. It's like that. So Jonah Hill absolutely nails those. So I love the pick. And I don't mind it in the first round. I think for me as a second rounder, but honestly, as long as it wasn't the first overall pick, that's fine with me. You just get a feeling that he's trying to distance himself from that point of his career. Like, which is trying, good. Which yes, is good. Which is fine. And like like people from that group, that group of comedy that he kind of stemmed from in the late 2000s, they're kind of doing the same thing. So I think people who are listening to this 
might associate him more with the critical acclaim rather than like what he what his roots, what he started with, and like him as straighter as the fat dude and accepted, right? Or him as Seth and super bad, like f me, right? <laughs> you know, like it's just like it could be, <laughs> it could be uh, like that's just what I think of when I think of Jonah Hill. Maybe other people don't, but I think it's worthy. All right, good pick. So I want to go. My second one is going to be opposite. And I think this person is like could rival Will Ferrell in 2000, 2010. All right. But say I it. don't, I don't say think it. it's, I don't think it's who you think it is. I think I'm going to go with Ben Stiller. You're wow. I'm going with Ben Stiller. I think he's one of the most underrated talents in the past. I want to say 25 years of Hollywood. That's let's accurate. just do, let's do the rundown right now. Tropic Thunder. Okay. Hilarious movie. So very rewatchable Zoolander. All right. One of the most rewatchable comedies of the early two thousands dodgeball. We'll talk about iconic characters, Dwight Goodman. I'm a big fan of the Royal Tenenbaums. Okay. He also shows his acting chops in that one. Uh, meet the parents, meet the Falkers. These are all bangers. Starsky and Hutch. This, this is the person that rivals Will Ferrell. And no one brings it up. People automatically think of like the other member of the frat pack that I will not bring up yet, but I think Ben Stiller is the better talent in terms of like the movies, you know, he's a big part in producing these movies. He's hilarious in them. And the fact that I white Goodman, that makes me happy. One of my favorite movie characters of all time, Ben Stiller, second round pick. So I think it's a phenomenal pick. I think if it wasn't drafted within our 10 picks, I think that would have been criminal. And like, it's because people just forget him. And I think a big reason why is that I really want to tease a pick and say a comparison, um, and I don't. Th- and I think you know what I'm thinking, Doctor. There's one I'm gonna lose that I really wanted, but I, I, I yeah, I'm interested. I like. There's one. It's just that he's not necessarily in every role. Like it, in most of his comedies, isn't that White Goodman type role? He's more of the honed in, controlled, like an accountant type. Like think of himself in as Greg Fokker. Like he's like the parents. He's not an alpha male, you know. He's not that he's not uh that white goodman alpha male. Like in, in Tower Heist as that Josh character, he's like that oh, reserved yeah. character. That and, was not making the Okay, list. the watch as uh in the watch as Evan, Evan Troutman. He, Come on. Yeah, he's uh that reserved character. Um other characters, Jonah Hill takes the stage for the comedy. He's not necessarily the star or the top two as a comedic figure. Uh like Zoolander comedic. though. I know, I know. But so like that's why I'm not gonna tease this other pick. I'll mention it at the end. But I do think he belongs in the top 10. But in the first two rounds, I that is why I would hold back on that. Um, but I do think phenomenal pick, well-deserved in this top 10. Definitely, For me, it was my number seven. Yep. So That's what I'll say. Ben Stiller. Good variety. Okay. So All right. Uh, to- I, I, li- I literally I – think, I think I was giving him – I think I was giving him love that – he doesn't necessarily get, and I think he deserves it because he yes. hasn't done much other than like the Meyerowitz stories and some other stuff recently. He's also transitioned to more of that non-comedic looking for like more of that acclaim than, than it is for the laughs. So mm-hmm. I think that's a good point. You're up, Flix. Yeah, and for me, my second pick is going to be similar to Dr. Rose pick with Jonah Hill. I think for me, this is my uh, number two on my big board, uh, two spots ahead of Jonah Hill. For me, Seth Rogen. I think Seth Rogen is just the funniest. I think just the generation before millennial or, or they are millennials. I think just that Jonah Hill era, I think he is the star of that. I think he's the funniest out of that bunch. 
and also the body of work with Will Ferrell. I contr- like, I think I have the best guy in the early two thousands with Seth Rogen. I think I have the next step uh, where I just have that body of work where I have his cameos in the 40 year old virgin and, and super bad as officer Michaels. And I also have him as in knocked up pineapple express as Dale Denton, right. Observe and report as Donnie. Um, this is the end. I, we talked about Jonah Hill being that, but Seth Rogen was also hilarious as himself in that. Um, and that was 2013, 2014 neighbors. And then obviously the interview with uh, the, that same year in 2014, but also going down closer to here, we have the disaster artist where he took more of a step back. He had more of a, a light cameo in that, but still funny. I personally think the long shot in 2019 was hilarious. And I thought I loved him and Charlie's uh, Theron's chemistry in that. Um, and then Sausage Party, I know it's animated, but that movie itself was phenomenal. And him as Frank was awesome. So I'm going to go Seth Rogen as my like whole body of work, 21st century best comedic actor. Okay. Uh, yes, it was between him and Jonah Hill. I, w- I didn't want to take both of them back to back. That's like two of the same group. And like, I want to have more diversity. It's like 21 years is a long, a long time. And like, they're from that same era. And I, if I'm splitting picks, I'm not going to get another pick for another like three. Like, I got to make sure I, I, I cover some ground. But I, I like, I love Seth Rogen. Um, he, he, I love him especially. I think where he shines most, and I think he was the most funny, is one, knocked up, and then two, super bad. And like, that's like one leading role, one supporting role. And he's a player, he's a guy who is a, he's a, good, a good team player. He plays off other people very well. Um, so I, I, I can't hate the pick. I like Seth Rogen a lot. I think it's interesting because Jonah Hill, uh, well, I'll first speak to Seth Rogen. Jonah Hill, I mean, sorry, Seth Rogen, Seth Rogen. He's always been like the master mastermind, like always helped writing with Evan uh, with Evan Goldberg these comedic uh, movies. And Jonah Hill now is starting to become in that writing directing game, like mid nineties, and he's going to continue that. So it's interesting to see how those two, even though they're very similar, and Jonah Hill kind of has focused more towards serious acting this past decade. Seth Rogen still going comedy, but also Steve going behind. Jobs though. Steve, right, Steve Jobs, and he's kind of t- taking a t- step back in executive producing, like The Boys, Invincible, and Jonah Hill's starting to do that now as well. Like, like I said, and you said, it's mid nineties, so it's interesting to see their careers, how they're similar, but the necessary, not in the same career trajectory, not the same years that they've done it. So I think that's also interesting. Okay. Yeah, it seems like they're both looking to take a, a next step. Right. Okay. So it's down. It's, it's now up for me again. My third pick. I'm gonna go. Iconic character Sasha Baron Cohen. I, I'm I'm pushing that. I think there wouldn't be a bad trip without Borat. I don't think that genre would even be in existence today without it for comedy. I think it's too important. And I think in the third round of this draft, I think that's a good value, not necessarily steal, just good value to take it there. I really, it's not my favorite on my board, but I think it's just so iconic and so important and influential for the genre that I have to take it. And also because I already have one of those frat pack from the early 2000s and putting two on my board is tough for me at this stage when a Sasha Baron Cohen Borat is still on the board. So I'm going to go with that. Thoughts on that, Dr. O. The big strategy I, I think, pick there. Uh, yeah, I, 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 
because like that he's known for the one role, you know. And but it's also like the other roles, like Bruno and stuff, is so cringe. Like get like I just get out of my face. Uh, and it's like kind of like the Eric Andre aspect where it's like you don't want to watch it, even though it's like you can't turn away from the screen. Um, but Borat is maybe the funniest character that I've ever seen in a movie, and I think that's like I think that's accurate. Like I think it's that good. And I was pumped when they they threw a surprise sequel in our faces. And when I saw on Twitter, there's some reason Sasha Baron Cohen was running around as Borat on the street, and you knew like, ooh, we, maybe we got something sequel. good here. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, we have it being nominated for Academy Awards. But the character recognition is going to lead into my next pick. So I like this pick to set precedent for my next one. Yeah. And I should just say also, he was King, uh, King Julian in Madagascar. He was great in that. I know the penguins kind of steal the show in Madagascar, but he's also great. The New York Giants. <laughs> and also John Gerard and Ricky Bobby. Great character. Very underrated. All right. Oh, he's John Gerard. Good point. And that was uh, the same year as Borat. Oh, six. All right. Off to you. All right, you want want to go with iconic characters? Maybe go with the best comedy of the twenty, the two thousands. Maybe that, maybe both decades. I'm going with Zach Galifianakis as Alan from The Hangover. Like I think this matches up perfectly with your last pick. When you think about characters, I think Alan. I said Borat. I think Alan kind of like vies with Borat as like the funniest characters I've ever seen in a movie. And then Alan is. I I just laugh every time I see him. Like every time he touches the screen, even before he says a word, you want to laugh. And then he throws out the most ridiculous quips, right? Where he's talking, where, whether he's talking about the Joe Bros are coming to town, where he's telling you there's <laughs> Skittles in the bag, whether he tells you there's a baby on board or the baby's name is Carlos. Like you, the, he throws out such fire quotes. And I just listed off four, like top of my head, not written down. You see me on the, if you guys are, are watching the YouTube, right? <laughs> You'll be able to know that I did not read any of those. Those are top of the head. Alan, and then it spanned three more movies with the same premise because he was so damn funny. We didn't get three more movies because of Ed Helms. We didn't get three more movies because of Justin Bartha getting lost. We didn't get three more movies, although Bradley Cooper is is a stud. I don't think we got three movies just because of Bradley Cooper. You got three more. You got three movies in that franchise because of Zach Galifianakis. So I have to go with him as Alan's, especially. I love how my pick led into yours because that's why he deserves to be in this top ten not because of his body of work, but because of that one character, even though he is good as a cameo, like in Dinner for Schmucks, uh, he was great in that. Oh my God. You asked me what his name was in that. I cannot tell you, but I can tell you that man was electric in that movie. I know the movie itself isn't necessarily great, but that movie, him in that movie is great. Um, him laughing, him laughing in that movie. (laughs) And then like, and then also like basically saying that Steve, like Steve Corral teased pick there, but He's uh, at the dinner table saying, like, you're paralyzed. You can't move. Yeah. <laughs> he's, just like, he, he's like, what am I doing? What am I doing? He's like, you can't. Nothing. You can't. I will, I, I will have to release you. Like, it's just right. absurd. Like, like that whole – we might have to retweet that dinner scene. And yes. then Octavia Spencer down, is just acting down. like a freaking <laughs> ostrich. Like, we'll have to tweet that out. But um, he's so funny. Like, Zach Galifianakis. And even the Between Two Ferns, I know we're talking about movies, although they did make That's that a movie. A movie. It did make it to a movie. Yeah, he, he he is funny. He's just he's just absolutely hilarious, and uh, I'm happy I got him. Yeah, I think again, him as a supporting or cameo is top of the line up there as his own movie. Like the campaign, they didn't play to his strengths. Due date didn't play to his strengths. It either it either over the topped it or it didn't do it enough. So I think him in this spot is very well deserved, and for iconic characters, Alan in The Hangover is up there. 
for anything. So any type of genre. So it's great. Great to see. And now your fourth pick, Dr. O. Okay. Ryan Reynolds, Deadpool. I got to do it. I got to do it. Ryan Reynolds. Obviously you got him in Van Wilder. You got him in the change up. You got him in these other movies that maybe aren't as well known, but I think of the funniest movies between uh, 2010 to 2021 and even though it's a superhero movie, Deadpool, I think, falls into that category. And a lot of the reason why is not only because of how kick-ass Deadpool is as a character, but how funny he is. And he's just riding so hard on the coattails of Ryan Reynolds. Um, the Proposal, not a bad movie. I actually enjoy it. It's a guilty pleasure. Just God in theaters. Funny. Even, like, his voice is so funny. Like, the image of him, like... Like voicing Pikachu, the first time you saw him detect the Pikachu, like talking in the, like for that character, you're like, okay, you just know it's going to be funny because Ryan yeah. Reynolds is doing it. Um, but it's mainly and primarily because of Deadpool, and Deadpool is maybe the most iconic comedic figure of the last ten years for anything, I would say. So I'm going to go with that, especially with the superhero, and he like, he like flipped the superhero genre on its head with his performance as Deadpool. So I'm going to go with that as my fourth round pick. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, that was going to be my, in my back to back, my final pick. If you didn't pick it there, I think, I think Deadpool solidified him to be eligible, like to be valued as a top 10. Oh, I wouldn't have drafted him without Deadpool. Right. But people forget, I, at least to me, I feel people forget about Van Wilder because it was in O2, I believe. Right. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong there. Uh, I didn't watch it in 02. Obviously, I was like four. Um, but Van Wilder, I think, is a lost iconic character because of the American Pie trilogy. And also, Old School was the next year. Yeah. Anchorman was in 04, Super Bad uh, just after. And also, another movie that I'm going to pick coming up uh, uh, the main character in the movie coming up uh, that I don't want to tease right now. But I think just Van Wilder is such a lost, iconic character in comedy. So I think that Ryan Reynolds is a great pick. And I just want to say also, the changeup with Jason uh, – oh, I don't want to see his pick there. But the changeup, I liked him in as, as well. Okay, you're all good. And um, that movie that he's a waiter. Waiting. I think that's a funny movie too. Yep. With Justin Long? Yes. I think that's a funny movie as well. So I think it's a good pick. Yeah, Van Wilder's o- – Van Wilder's O2 – and obviously, American Pie, the first one, 99. 99. Second one, 01. Third one, 03. So it was literally right in between that era. So it was kind of trying to capitalize on that. But mm-hmm. you weren't going to outdo it because American right. Pie was such a monster. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I'm a huge Ryan Reynolds guy. I like, under, like Van Wilder, I agree. It's super underrated film. But the pick is for Deadpool for sure. Mm-hmm. But, all right. So it's a, I'm up. I get my last two picks here. I know my this one coming up, my fifth pick. I might we might need to talk about this pick a little longer because I have no idea what I'm going to do for my fifth. But my for this pick for me, it's obvious. I'm picking Steve Carell. I know you're probably thinking The Office right now, but think think just movies for me. Think of him as his. I think his breakout role in movies was just like just on the scene was before The Office in Bruce Almighty as Evan Baxter when he's like when. Uh, Bruce, all my, Bruce, whatever his last name is in that, is controlling him. And Steve Carell has just shown his acting comedic prowess when he's just... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I think that just kind of catapulted him for the next year. Judd Apatow as, and Anchorman, Brick Tamlin, and then getting his own movie in 40-Year-Old Virgin. 
then the following year, 06, and Little Miss Sunshine. So I'm just telling you, this man was a force without the office in the comedic realm. And we talked about Dinner for Schmucks earlier. Zach Galifianakis was great in that, but I think the best character was Steve Carell in that um, as the loving mice guy, Barry. Uh, So I think he was great in that. And then Body of Work for comedy kind of hurts him. I know he did Anchorman 2 earlier uh, around like 2013-14, but like, and he did Despicable Me as Groot, or Groot, sorry, not Groot, Groot, but just a animated voice there so not too big but he's been focusing recently on the drama with fox catcher big short uh vice right uh but i still think that he's worthy of a top 10 pick and at number eight i'm fine picking him there yeah um i should have taken him just for the name recognition in terms of are people just gonna think of the office even though it's not for the office and we were talking about all encompassing roles like he definitely would be like a, a first round pick in my opinion so that when you said that we're not doing any television that kind of took him off like until like a later round for me um definitely deserves to be there uh 40 year old virgins an all-time movie all-time role uh, I like how you brought up Little Miss Sunshine because I think that kind of gets swept under the radar. Even him and Dinner for Schmucks was very funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Brick Tamlin's the iconic character you got that comes with him too. So, right. yeah, so he absolutely deserves to be on there. I even have like a, a couple stars next to him because I get, I get sleeper later in the round. But uh, obviously, mm-hmm. you took him. That was a good pick. All right. And I, then- I'm looking at on my big board now. I'm I'm looking at the big board now, and I'm seeing like these names that are not going to make it, and it's making me nervous. Oh, as in, like, just the hate we'll get on social media. Oh, a little bit, and I'm just like, if I'm going to hate it if I don't if I have Ben Stiller and I don't have this person on my list, so it's going to be interesting. Hmm, that I think you're trying to play with me there. I think you're trying to get in my head, and I'm not going to let not. you. I'm not going to let you, even if you're saying you're not. I'm going to pick just best on my big board because he was he's so high on my big board. He is my number five on my big board. I'm just going to do it. A part of the frat pack early 2000s been spawned. I'm just going to do it. I just think he's too good for me to pass up right now. I know I already have Will Ferrell and I think Will Ferrell was better than him in old school, but not wedding crashers. That's why I kind of hesitated when I was talking about wedding crashers. Um, I think Vince Vaughn in old school was great, but in wedding crashers was phenomenal, was absolutely phenomenal the an a-list performance for comedy that you'd never you rarely see i think during that era you were accustomed to it but even when that came out it was like oh my god like the oh he was so much better than john beck with his partner in that that you, i think that like kind of showed you his acting prowess in the comedy genre so i really think vince vaughn is much that is valued much higher than number nine overall here i would have picked him a lot higher if i didn't already have will ferrell but it might hurt me on the graphic then again i don't know but vince vaughn is going to be my pick here my final pick was routine between vince vaughn and this other person i'm about to draft so i'm glad that you took him i would have felt guilty if i didn't take vince vaughn because i am on the record of saying that vince vaughn put in an absolute clinic an acting toward force in that movie like good enough that i think it was even award worthy i say that he absolutely put 
like circled the wagons right around John Beckwith and Owen Wilson. And I'm, and I'm an Owen Wilson guy. Can't wait to see him in Loki. But this was Vince Vaughn's like moment. This, this is where yes. he owned it. Like this is like the, the most recognizable role where this is just, this is who Vince Vaughn is. He is the alpha in any movie he's in. Like he's going he's to be always the, the alpha. dog and everybody else is every, everybody else is just like along for the ride. He's running the show. I wrote a blog and like quarantine ends who you like, like give me some characters that you're going to like movie characters. You're going to rip the town with. I said, who's running the point. Who's calling the, who's calling the shots. Who's running the show. It's going to be uh, Jeremy. Gray from Wedding Crash. Yeah. So love the pick. And old school, I think that that almost is just as good as Wedding Crashers in terms of like his performance in that movie. So great pick. And I also think people only think of him as like in Fred Claus or Couples Retreat or The Dilemma, stuff like that. But it goes back to your comment that he's always the alpha dog in there, like in The Watch as Bob. Like that's when you picked Ben Stewart and I mentioned Evan in The Watch. The funniest guy was not Ben Stiller. It was Jonah Hill and Bob, a.k.a. Vince Vaughn. Jo- like, Jonah Hill. Yeah. Right, right. But Vince Vaughn, like Bob Vince Vaughn, like he was the alpha male, right? Like even an Anchorman, great cameo. It's a common, like, not, like, like we talked about Jonah Hill and Will Ferrell as, their, as the cameos, non-main figures, not even supporting characters. They, st- they sometimes steal the show, steal scenes that you remember. Vince Vaughn does that there. So I think he's up there, worthy of a top – if you picked him in the top five, would not have hesitated one bit. He was my number five. I'm glad I got him here. Vince Vaughn for me. Your last pick, Dr. O. Round us out. Good pick. I got to go with someone from my favorite movie, I would say, when I'm growing up. I'm going with Jack Black. Knew it. I knew I gotta it. I'm going to go Jack Black with my final pick. Um, School of Rock's one of my favorite movies ever. Like I, I, I talk about one of the most quotable movies of all time. I think it's still not seen by enough people and in like the younger crowd, the younger generation has no idea what it is and it'll mark, it'll, it'll be the, one of the highlights of your film watching career. Once you finally see that movie and it becomes so damn rewatchable. Let's rock. Let's rock today. <laughs> and not only do we have school of rock tropic thunder, he's probably the best, the funniest dude in tropic thunder, even with, even with Robert Downey Jr., I would say. Getting an that's Oscar not Robert Downey Jr. Take, but I think he's that funny. And like and then school like uh Jack Black has also done it like uh like not only in the early two thousands, but like even looking at the Jumanji franchise, he's the funniest aspect of that. Okay. Don't tell me it's Kevin Hart. It's not. It's Jack Black acting like a sixteen year old girl. It's hilarious. Uh it's got probably maybe the funniest animated movie with Kung Fu Panda. Nacho Libre, Nacho. You got his cameo in Anchorman, Shallow House, Saving Silverman. Saving Silver- Silverman is a hidden banger of a movie. High Fidelity's 2000, Tenacious D. Like he has some absolute rips, right? That mm-hmm. need to be enjoyed by more people. And uh, Dewey Finn, this is a poor one out for him. <laughs> I have to go with him as my final pick, Jack Black. Great pick. I love, I if, if you didn't pick him, Dr. O, we, I think you would need to revoke your membership on the drive-in pod, your subscription, because I would, I would you retire. are the biggest Jack. You're the Jack from podcasting. Besides Vince Vaughn, I think he's your, you're his biggest advocate for uh, comedic actors. You talk about the school of rock and quote that all the uh-huh. time. Let's rock, let's rock today. You always say that. So I'm glad he's on your team here. I think high fidelity is not, I think it's a very overrated movie, but Jack Black is awesome in that movie. He's like, I think, saves that movie for me. I think it's super overrated. You can come at me on Twitter if you want. I will defend myself till I die. 
I think it's overrated, but he's great in that. And again, Robert Downey Jr. got nominated for Tropic Thunder, but he wasn't the best character for me. I think it was Jack Black. And my last point with Jack Black is that Fatty's Fart 3. (laughs) Yes. And like Tropic Thunder, 2008, right? But like he was in Bernie, I think in uh, 2011. But like he was in like a year one with Michael Sarah. He wasn't in a lot of hits, right? He was in that Bird movie with Steve Martin. Uh, but before Jumanji, he was really like falling off a cliff, right? And Jumanji, right? Oh, <laughs> yes, crap, right? But uh, Jumanji, I feel like just kept, like brought him back to the mainstream, and now he's on TikTok again. Like people know who Jack Black is again. I think it's great for his resume and for this draft when we're talking about our their body of work. He has the iconic characters, at least for me. He's hilarious, one of the funniest people on the planet. And he now has that body of work that we talked about, at least for me, the three components of this draft. I think it's a great pick. So before we go to honorable mentions, let me just list off the drafts, each of our drafts, and then I'll throw it over to you for anyone that you want to mention. Ricky Flicks has Will Ferrell, Seth Rogen, Sasha Baron Cohen, Steve Carell, and Vince Vaughn. Dr. Rowe has Jonah Hill, Ben Stiller, Zach Galifianakis, Ryan Reynolds, and Jack Black. Dr. Rowe, honorable mentions. All right. I have a few. Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd. Uh, Ant-Man. I lo- like we'll talking about funny superheroes. Not in the same levels as Ryan Reynolds, but then he's also, I love you, man, with Judd Apatow. Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Uh, great, great supporting role in 40-year-old Virgin. Uh, Virgin. Uh, Brian Fantana, you got so much wet, hot American summer, right? Uh, you got role models. Like he is, it's a shame that he was not drafted. Um, looking back at it, I wouldn't change anybody. I don't think for him, but a lot of times he is the supporting guy. Yes. So he doesn't really like a lot of these people that we're picking are like either so phenomenal in a supporting role. They steal the show or they are the lead guy. So it's like, I couldn't pick him over even like a Ben Stiller or Zach Galifianakis who only is the supporting guy. I'm not going to pick Paul Rudd. Over yeah. Him. I think as just before, just to hype uh, chime in here before you go on with your mentions here, if you picked Paul Rudd, I would have, I think we would have had a big time argument because I really think that even though I think he's hilarious, like they came together. I know I made you watch that a couple of weeks ago. And um, I think like uh-huh. he's hilarious in other movies, like 40 year old virgin. He is not ever the funniest or even the second funniest movie uh, person in his movies ever. Even if, if it's his own movie or it's like, he's the side character supposed to take you over that funniest character, like an anchor man as a Brian Fantana. He's not even the funniest or second funniest or third funniest in his own movie or in that, in the movie he's in. So I don't I think he's worthy of a top 10 pick. I think it's similar to a Ben Stiller without the iconic roles. Yeah. Cause like Ben Stiller, he does get kind of, hidden sometimes around other people but other times he shines you know he, he kind of right. balance both which is i think one reason why i picked him for a big part of it uh, moving along with other guys that i had in mind uh danny mcbride is someone i love and i actually brought him up earlier in the podcast uh like tropic thunder right <laughs> where he's like throwing the bombs out he's like big ass titties <laughs> and he's like crushing it uh and go along with, uh this is the end it's one of the greatest like 10 minutes of from a character i've ever seen Funny, funny. I'm not, I'm not gonna like quote it because it's like almost too inappropriate. Him and Land of the Lost, epic supporting. Uh, one of the funniest oh my god, roles. underrated um, movie then, like, for comedies. Oh my god. If if we did shows like Eastbound and Down, 
Obviously, he's red in Pineapple Express. Your Highness is also a forgotten banger of the late two thousand. I don't like it. Hand up. I don't like it. You don't like that one. I don't like that one. Oh my god! I used to quote that. I used to quote. I used to quote that with my buddies a lot. Um, uh, Adam Sandler. I had. I didn't want to. Sorry. So I was gonna. I was gonna. I was. Yeah, so like Longest Yard, 51st Dates, Anger Management, Grown Ups, Clicks, Zohan, Deeds, Chuck and Larry. Like it doesn't match his 90s catalog. It's just not not even close. So right. I was never going to pick it, you know? Same. So I think he his resume, even though it's not – I think its resume is good. And if you picked him in the last round, I wouldn't have stuffed about it. I would have said good pick. But I just think if you just compare the movies, it's just like, come on, like – you just, it's just, no, it's just not even close. So right. I, I was never going to pick it, but if you did, I wouldn't have been mad about it. Sorry. Right. Any more? Any yeah. more? So I'll throw out three more names. And I'll leave the rest for you. Um, one I, th- I was going to do, uh, I wasn't going to do unless we had 15 people. If Nez was here mm-hmm. and I would have picked Ike Barinholtz, neighbors, blockers, supporting I, role. This he is, is like, this is why we're Absol- partners on a podcast. Absolutely electric and everything he's in. I know you always say that, and I agree yes. 100%. Him and Blockers and Neighbors, he is so damn funny. But I think the funniest characters in both movies. Like yes. I think he's that good. That good. Yes. Um, and then going along with another supporting character, Nick Frost. Nick Frost was in my mind. Like, you never seen Bad Boys 2. Like, <laughs> he is so awesome. He is so awesome. Mm-hmm. Um. He, like I, like him in the Shaun of the Dead franchise, and he works so well with as the like slapstick, more comedic comedic pair a uh, uh, half of the uh, Simon Pegg duo for the Edgar Wright films. Right. And then I want to throw out a little the female love here for Melissa McCarthy. Uh, she has yep. the iconic character in Bridesmaids, but it was like I had to choose between her and Alan. I'm gonna go Alan, you know. Right, I think uh, her body of work is just this past decade, and like the Heat, Identity Thief, Bridesmaids, Spy. <laughs> Like, I think those movies, like, all right, like, and she's going to be, uh, I'm excited to see her as uh, Ursula in The Little Mermaid. But um, I think uh, she was my number 11 on my big board. Um, so if, if Nez was here, I think easily would have been picked, but hopefully I would have gotten her then. Um, is, is that all for your honorable mentions before I get into mine? Yeah, yeah, you, you finish them off. Um, well, I wanted to say if Nez was here, Nick Frost, I would have petitioned to do Nick Frost and Simon Pegg as one. I, I did have that slash. Like, I'm, I'm yes, that's board. what I have in mind as well. I would have petitioned for it and I would have like fought hard for that one. I think they just go together and if you pick them separately, it's like, all right, well, Nick Frost without like the Edgar Wright series, Shaun of the Dead, The World's End, uh, Hot Fuzz, like, what is he? Simon Pegg, what is he without it? He has Mission Impossible and Star Trek, but like, he's like the comic relief in those, but like, Still, like you just you think of you can't think of one without the other. So like you kind of need to pair them. Um, I also picked. I know we talked about American Pie being in 1999, but Sean William Scott. Sean Stifler. William Scott as Stifler is one of the most iconic characters of all time, or comedic characters of all time, because it American Pie is so iconic because it was that new generation of high school college movies that you didn't see. Like that is different than an Animal House or. Uh, like that we saw back in the 80s, 70s, 60s, those type of movies. And American Pie kind of revamped that genre. And Stifler is 
that is basically the main reason that that movie and that franchise is successful. And he's also think of it's what you think of immediately. It's Stifler, you know, that or uh, the pie, obviously. Um, Mm -hmm. But um, that and he's also in like role models, goon. I think those are great comedies. Oh, good, good pull. And if you talk about TV series, he's greatest country Mac and it's always sunny. Shout out to those always sunny fans. Um, I guess just a couple others just around us out here. Jason Segal, I feel like St. Paul Rudd type where like he's not worthy of being picked. But Seagull, Seagull. Seagull, sorry. You, you're making me think I just it's said like, Seagull, didn't you I? You make me think it's like Steven Seagal's son. Sorry, Seagull. But, Jason Seagull. But again, Jason Seagal's son. Oh, yikes. Uh, yeah, we don't associate it with Steven Seagal, Jason Seagull. Um, <laughs> just too much How I Met Your Mother vibes, and I don't like that show personally. And similarly with Adam Sam- Andy Samberg. Like too much SNL, Lonely Boys for me. Like even though I think he's funny and everything he does, just not enough. Um, Lonely Island, Lonely Island, Lonely Island. I, I said Lonely Boys. Now I'm I'm thrown in for a loop now. <laughs> but uh, what else? I think that's it. Oh, John, uh, John C. Riley, yeah. John C. Riley, Dewey I Cox, Step Brothers, Step Brothers, Ricky Bobby, uh, um, Jim Carrey. Well. In the 2000s, though, Bruce Almighty, Yes Man, Me Myself and Irene, and The Grinch. Wow, that's actually really that's good. A, that's, a, that's a killer lineup. Wow. Me, myself, and Irene. That might that's be. A, a, I love that. That's that easily a, a top 15. Ooh. Yeah, that might be a pick. That's actually really good. Um, And one last one I want to say, and I hinted at I wasn't going to tease this, tease this pick, but it's Jason Bateman. I think he's freaking hilarious, but he just plays the same role in everything he does, and that's what I was talking about with Ben Stiller. If you take away Ben Stiller's iconic roles or um Paul Rudd, or just no, or just generally Paul Rudd. I think that's literally um, Jason Bateman. I think it's just same same person. Everything he does, um, that reserved like accountant, like Ozark, Ozark or accountant uh, type role, but also funny in like sarcastic. a reserved kind of way, sarcastic. Always the smartest one in the group. Just not if someone picked him. I also would have. He, he is that, like the but... second coming of Ben Stiller. At the same time, yes. he does the more comedic roles. He I mean, can, more, no more serious, I should say. Excuse me. He does more serious roles, I would say. And, but, like, if he did, like, branch out, like, think about Bad Words. Is that – now that my mind's in a freaking – Hilarious like, Messed up. But that movie's hilarious, right? I don't remember the it's year. I, theaters. That movie's so funny. And he just took on a totally different type of character. And he absolutely nailed that to me. Oh, yeah. Absolutely nailed it. I wish I saw him doing that type of stuff. That would be awesome. Not necessarily that. Just, like, venture out. Do like, something take a different. Yeah, take a risk. You're talented enough. Just do it. Like, you see Ben Stiller do it. You see Steve Carell do it. Jonah Hill. Like, you go do it. All right? Jeez. Mm-hmm. But that rounds us out here for our top billing of best comedic actors of the 21st century. Dr. O finishes out. Good competitive top billing that week. I can't wait to see how the uh, graphic turns up. I can't wait to see the votes. Make sure that you're going on Twitter to check us out. So that's going to conclude this episode of the Drive-In Podcast. Thank you for listening. And please leave us a review wherever you are listening to this. And then please rate us five stars. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at the Drive-In Pod. We're also on Facebook and YouTube as the Drive-In. And make sure to check out our blog on a daily basis on the driveinpod.com. We just had a fire blog uh, published on the greatest trailers of the 21st century, a blog you definitely don't want to miss. We're probably going to be, blog- I'm going to be, I know I'm going to be blogging regarding the question I posed to Ricky Flex early on in this episode. Make sure you're tuning in along with all the latest movie news. All right, that's going to do it for the 32nd episode of the Drive In Pod. We will 